you have any information about the disappearance of Wes Schaefer, please contact your local authorities. Wes Schaefer is a 33-year-old male from Mendota, Illinois, last seen in Rockford, Illinois, on September 22nd. Please, if you know anything, if you've seen him, heard from him, anything, please contact your local authorities. His family, his loved ones are definitely looking for him. It is official that he's a missing person. It takes the, I guess, the authorities a couple weeks or a little bit to make it official and put up signs and send out alerts and all the other things that they have to do. It took a little bit, but that is all out now. I went to school with him. He's a couple years younger than me. We were friends growing up, and as we got older, our families, friends, those circles interloped, and I've seen a lot of them. Actually, just seen them probably a week before September 22nd, and gave him a hug. It was good to see him. Caught up a little bit. Hadn't talked to him in quite a while. As you know, you get older, lives go in different paths, you're doing different things, but it was cool to see him, said hi, gave him a hug, and then right after that, a week or so, you know, nobody's seen him, nobody's heard from him. Not putting this on the podcast just because I know him, I think that it all matters. If you see somebody that you see a missing person's listing of, whether it was in the newspaper or the thumbtack board at your local restaurant or a laundromat or whatever, if you've seen these people or heard from these people or know something, it's only right to try to help out a family group of people that want to see somebody, that are worried, that care. So please, if you know anything about not just Wes Schaefer, but anybody that you see a missing person's listing for, please reach out and help the best you can. Didn't mean to start Edge of Your Seat podcast out in that light, in that way, that fashion, but you got to share those things. Keep the search going until people are found. No reason to have missing people. It's a sad, sad, tragic thing. This is episode 119. Thank you for joining us as always. Appreciate the love and support. Great show today. We have Hall Jr., Caleb Savage, and Mendota Jr., Ethan Hanneman. Speaking about a little bit of everything. We dig into golf because they're both golfers with their respected schools. And they do a little bit of everything else. Play different sports, have different interests, and we speak about it all. Two great interviews with two awesome, pretty amazing young men. And plus, IHSA gave us the opportunity to have sports, to have a postseason. So I am going to talk to as many people as I can why we got this going on. Because we have no idea if COVID-19 is going to come back with a spike in numbers and shut the world down again. No idea what is going on, except we're living day by day. So, we got things going on, people to speak to. I'm going to do my best to have them on Edge of Your Seat Podcast and share the world of sports, share their lives, their interests, what's going on with everybody. That's what we do, Edge of Your Seat Podcast. You can catch this show on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and Google Music. Hit us up on social media as well. Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Facebook and Edge of Your Seat P on Twitter. If you have any questions, suggestions, want to be a guest, think you know somebody that would be a good guest, have some box scores from high school events, junior high events, recreational events, 
some player, coaches, or even school accomplishments, achievements, feel free to share. Send an email to edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. Before we dive into the rest of the show, have to do a little correction real quick. On episode 118, I was talking about Big Brother 22, the all-star season, and I kept calling Nicole Heather. I think I did it like twice. Her name is Nicole. It is not Heather. Don't know why I did that. I do not like Nicole. I want her off of the show. Did it a long time ago, but she is stuck around because she is a good player. One of those hide behind other people and play the oh, woe is me game. She does it well. She does it really well and sticks around in Big Brother. But her name is Nicole, not Heather, so I want to make that correction. Apologize to the Heathers and Nicoles around the world for switching up the names. What could be a good switch up is the way we take care of ourselves, our physical health. Since 2015, LP CrossFit has been offering something unique to the Illinois Valley, a customized way to get in shape while having fun. Whether you're new to exercise or an experienced athlete, LP CrossFit is the right place for you. LP CrossFit is a diverse community with a culture focused on fun and hard work. All members know each other's names and support one another during workouts. LP CrossFit will help you reach your goals and get into the best shape of your life. LP CrossFit offers a weekly schedule of classes for every fitness fan. Whether you want to dial up the intensity or take a more relaxed approach, LP CrossFit's trained coaches tailor each and every workout for every athlete in every class. CrossFit classes are programmed with a mixture of bodyweight, gymnastic, barbell, and other movements to build strength and endurance. All small group classes are coach-led, and all movements are infinitely scalable, so they can work with any fitness level, injury, or mobility restriction. Check out LP CrossFit on Facebook, online at lpcrossfit.com, or in person in the Peru Mall across from Secret Nails. You'll never have so much fun while getting so fit. It's Sunday, October 11th. Time for some football. Let's go over picks real quick. Doing pretty solid this year. Not too bad. Last week I got two wrong. The week before I think was six or seven wrong, which doubled the number of the picks I had wrong in week one and two. Not doing too bad. Hopefully week five of NFL football stays okay for me. Thursday's game, already a bad sign though. I picked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Chicago Bears. I guess it's just that Chicago Bears fan of me that understands that we're erratic, don't know what kind of football we're going to play from week to week, and honestly in that game on Thursday, didn't know what football they were going to play from possession to possession, but they had the possessions they needed to when they needed them and defeated Tampa Bay 2019, so I'll take the first L of the first game. The rest of the week five schedule, I have Carolina Panthers over Atlanta Falcons. The Las Vegas Raiders are at Kansas City Chiefs. I got the Chiefs. After what they did to Baltimore, I do not think I am picking the Chiefs to lose to anybody. Do I think, honestly, that they're going to go undefeated? Probably not, but I'm not going to pick anybody to beat them. I don't think so, unless there's some injuries or some circumstances that would lead me to believe that they're going to fall. I'm picking the Chiefs to win every game. Sorry, that's what I'm going to do. On the other side of the spectrum, Arizona Cardinals at New York Jets. I'm going to pick the Jets to lose every game. I don't see them beating anybody, really. So I got the Cardinals in that one. 
Here's two teams I don't know really what to think about yet. Philadelphia Eagles started slow, had a win last week that I thought they were going to lose. Don't know if they're as bad as they've looked, if they're okay. I don't know yet. And then they're at Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers are playing well, okay. They let the Broncos get back in the game against them. They don't, like, finish anybody off. So the Eagles could possibly have a great drive or two because they do have the talent. They do have the players that can make that happen. I did go Steelers, but I'm not for sure, for sure, for sure. Not very confident on that pick at all. Los Angeles Rams at the Washington football team. I'm not going to pick Washington at all this year either. I don't know if it's because of their name, the football team, or because I think they're awful. But definitely got the Rams over them this week. Cincinnati Bengals at Baltimore Ravens. I'm going the Ravens. Another team that it's going to be hard for me to pick against. I mean, when they played the Chiefs, I picked the Chiefs and the Chiefs took care of them. But the Ravens are a really, really good football team. So these middle of the pack or bottom feeder teams, I'm going to have Raiders every week as the victor. Jacksonville Jaguars at Houston Texans. The Houston Texans made the Minnesota Vikings look godly last week, and that's not the case. Jaguars are an up-and-coming team. They're going to have their problems. They're going to have their moments of greatness. That's what happens in up-and-coming teams. I'm going to pick the Jags in this one. Hopefully James Robinson, Rockford Lutheran grad, representing Illinois, represents Jaguars to the fullest in Week 5. Miami Dolphins at San Francisco 49ers. I got 49ers. Again, one of those teams that it's going to be hard to pick against. Stumble here and there, but... But on paper, they're hard to beat. Indianapolis Colts at Cleveland Browns, both coming off of big victories. Colts knocking off the Bears last week. Browns knocking off the Cowboys. They were up 41-14 at one time. I'm going to go Browns. They have the offense. Defense is Miles Garrett. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Is a stud. A stud among studs. So I'm going to go Browns. New York Giants at Dallas Cowboys. Man, Cowboys are all over the map as well. They're very erratic. Fourth quarters, though, they rain on everybody. So I'm going to go Cowboys, Giants. You know, Saquon Barkley is out for the year with the ACL tear. It's going to be hard for me to pick the Giants unless it's against the Jets or maybe against Washington. We'll see what happens when that happens. But I'm going to go Cowboys in this one. Minnesota Vikings at Seattle Seahawks. Going Seahawks, they are in that realm with the Chiefs, Ravens, 49ers. I can honestly see the Chiefs and Ravens in the AFC title game and the 49ers and Seahawks in the NFC title game. I can see that happening. Those are the top four teams in the league to me. I'm going Seahawks over Vikings. Monday's game, Los Angeles Chargers at the New Orleans Saints. I'm going Saints. Not really huge favorites of either team. I just think the Saints have a little more. Tuesday is the Buffalo Bills at Tennessee Titans, moving games around, COVID-19 stuff. Titans were hit with it pretty hard last week, leading up to moving the game. I'm going to go Bills. I think the Bills are a very, very tough team. Not on that elite tier that I was just naming off, but right underneath it. So I'm going Bills over the Titans. The Denver Bronco game and New England Patriot game has been postponed. It sounds like it's going to get moved to next week, and they're shuffling bye weeks around. Got to do what we got to do. COVID-19 making us adapt, and that's what we're doing. But those are my picks. 
If you want to reach out your picks, go ahead and send them an email as well. Already mentioned it, but edge of your seat podcast at gmail.com. Well, NFL is in week five of action. The MLB is in postseason. We got four teams left. The Tampa Bay Rays knocked off the New York Yankees 2-1 in game five of their American League Divisional Series on Friday. So, today, on Sunday, we got the Houston Astros against those Rays starting the American League Championship Series tonight at 6.30. I've wanted the Houston Astros knocked out the entire way. Of course I wanted the White Sox to knock them out. I wanted the Oakland Athletics to knock them out. They're cheaters. They shouldn't be in here. They should not be in the playoffs. They should have been banned, honestly. That's the way I look at it. Why are we saying, hey, it's okay, go ahead and cheat. We're just going to take the World Series away. There's going to be an asterisk. Everybody's going to know you're cheaters, but it's okay. The next year, you can try to win one again. Okay. How does that make sense? It doesn't. I wanted the Houston Astros out of the postseason picture, and now they're in the ALCS. Tampa, please knock them out. The National League Championship Series is what I have been waiting for. I want to see the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Atlanta Braves go to war. I think this is going to be fantastic. I am personally going to pick the Braves, but I personally think it is also the Dodgers' time to make it to the World Series and win one. They have been a really amazing team for a few years now and can't get over that hump, fall apart in clutch moments, can't do what they need to when they have to do it like the championship teams do. So let's see if they can do that. Atlanta's going to make it tough. This is what I wanted to see, and we will see it. Game one starts Monday, tomorrow at 7 p.m. The NBA Finals could be in the last game. Game six is tonight at 6.30 p.m. Los Angeles Lakers, Miami Heat. I thought the Heat were going to get swept. I love the Miami Heat. But just that the Lakers are gargantuans and... Tons and tons of championship experience. LeBron James has got three rings. Rajon Rondo's got a ring. Danny Green's got rings with San Antonio Spurs. Dwight Howard has been to an NBA Finals. They have the knowledge. They know how to play. And they have younger guys and other guys that know how to play the game of basketball at a top level. So I thought they were going to sweep Miami. Didn't happen. Jimmy Butler playing out of his mind. The two games that Miami has won, he's had a triple-double. And, yeah, he's moved himself up in the top five players of this season in my book. I think he knocked out Giannis. Honestly, I don't think Giannis was the MVP. Probably LeBron James. Giannis, I don't even think is top five. It's crazy that he's back-to-back MVP. But I don't make the decisions. I don't hand out the awards. I do think the Lakers are going to win this NBA Finals. Don't know if it's going to be Game 6 or Game 7. It would be awesome if there's a Game 7. Who doesn't love a Game 7? I thought the Lakers were going to take care of this a long time ago. They haven't. Jimmy Butler is a fighter. The Miami Heat in general are scrappers. Scrappy basketball play and will not give up. Don't want to sweep. I just thought it was going to happen. So I am not picking a winner in Game 6. I kind of want to see a Game 7. So I guess if you look at it that way, I'm picking the Heat. But I still, in general, think Lakers are going to win the series. It's almost time to deep dive in the Aerosmith classic, Toys in the Attic. But before we do that, let's talk about our houses. How to fix them. How to make them look better. How to function better. Whether it's a light fixture or an entire kitchen remodel, Olson Construction is here to help. The family-owned and operated company 
prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty. Olsen Construction specializes in roofing, siding, windows, doors, deck designs, garage additions, room additions, and remodels. Brothers Keith Milas and Tommy Olson have been in construction for over 10 years and are willing and able to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction, which is licensed and insured at 815-910-5982. Olson Construction can also be contacted on Facebook at the Olson Construction LLC page or via email olsenconstruction19 at gmail.com. So let's do this. Aerosmith, not a huge rock guy, but trying to dive in everywhere and share music. I love music of all kinds in general. So why not listen to something that is legendary? I mean, we know the huge songs from Aerosmith and two of their biggest ones are on this very album, Sweet Emotion and Walk This Way. Walk This Way was probably one of the first songs I heard. I was born in 85 and the Walk This Way with Run DMC was huge around that time. Like I remember seeing the commercials everywhere and I remember the video. I remember everything about that. Part of my childhood. I will never forget Walk This Way. Honestly, I never heard Walk This Way without Run DMC. So hearing the album cut on Toys in the Attic, the original without Run DMC was kind of weird. Like I was waiting for those verses or the back and forth between Steven Tyler and Run DMC and it just wasn't there. I will always like that one better, but it was still cool. It was cool to go back and listen to the original that I had never heard before. Sweet Emotion is on movies all over the place. Everybody knows that song. You See Me Crying was their third single off of Toys in the Attic, which only had nine songs. It was a nine song album from 1975, 40 years, 40 years. But You See Me Crying, also a single, I really didn't like it, never really been a big fan of that song, and honestly, I don't think it fit into the rest of the album, but, you know, to each their own, right? This album, Toys in the Attic, being their third album, so they already had two albums before this, since they were formed in Boston in 1970, but Toys in the Attic sold 8 million copies. It's the biggest Aerosmith album ever, 8 million copies. That's insane. And to put this in context, because I really didn't understand the significance of Aerosmith as a band. They are the best-selling band from America. They have sold 150 million records worldwide, 70 million in the United States alone. They have 20 top 40 Billboard Hot 100 hits. And because they have 25 gold albums, 18 platinum, and 12 multi-platinum, they hold the record for the most certifications from a U.S. band. I had no idea that they were that huge. No idea. I guess I was in a closet. Guess I didn't pay attention to Aerosmith in general. Never, 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 never knew that. What I knew them for is Janie's Got a Gun, Do Looks Like a Woman, those early 90s, mid-90s hits. Pink. That's what I knew Aerosmith as. So I wanted to go dive into this album and check them out from the beginning. And I'm really, really glad I did. Really glad I did. So we'll start with the members. Of course I knew Steven Tyler, lead singer, got those big lips, his daughter's Liv Tyler, actress. Everybody knows who Steven Tyler is. Joe Perry, the lead guitarist, 
If you're into music, you know who he is. I didn't know who he was. The rest of them I didn't. Rhythm guitarist, Brad Whitford. Bass guitarist, Tom Hamilton. And Joey Kramer on the drums. And they've been putting it down for a long time. Like I said, their third album in 1975. 40 years ago. And the first time I put it on, I was at the gym. So I was like, hopefully this will you know, motivate me to, to work out. But I kind of want to kill two birds with one stone here. Listen to this album while I'm working out. And I'm glad I did. I kept flowing. I was listening to the music. I didn't get tired of it. I didn't hit next once and go back and listen to it at a different time. No, I listened to the whole thing because it was only nine songs while I was at the gym. The intro, which is the same title as the album, Toys in the Attic, it was like, bam, here we go. Just instantly, no speaking, no singing, just just went at it. And I put it on as I'm getting on the elliptical, I think. And I just instantly was going at like eight miles an hour. Just killing it. And I do have to say, knowing Steven Tyler's voice from songs like Janie's Got a Gun and Pink, way different from 1975. Almost doesn't sound like the same guy. He does do those high-pitched yells and screeks and things that he done his whole career. Then I knew it was him. But just his voice and actually singing lyrics, I couldn't have told you that that was the same person. I had no idea. So it was weird and kind of cool at the same time to hear a different kind of Steven Tyler. Second track, Uncle Salty, was okay. Kind of about people doing bad, what happens after you make a bad decision, as a man towards a woman, and just get yourself in trouble and you try to hide and from what I understand, it was from a real person that went through these things, and you could tell in the, in the song. The music behind it was okay, and it told a story. I love songs that tell stories. Adam's Apple, the third track, is my second favorite on the album. It's kind of about telling history. Adam and Eve, we all know the story about the apple, and there's poison, and there's love, and the lust, and affection, and what we do as a people. As a community, as a society, as a man, as a woman. And it was kind of cool to hear it from a rock perspective in 1975. Walk This Way, already broke that down. We'll always love the Run DMC track with Aerosmith, but this one was still pretty cool. Loved it. Big 10 Inch. So there are sexual innuendos during the whole album. The lyrics, they're there. They're there. The name of this song is called Big 10 Inch. Just saying. They try to make analogies towards different things like albums and you know where it's going. Yeah, that's what they're talking about. And it was kind of like a bluesy feel, like a rhythm and blues, which was kind of cool. Like I said, I know them from the 90s scene. Didn't really think that they had a side like that. Even though, from what I understand, they're kind of like a rhythm and blues rock band. That's how they originated coming out of Boston. So it was different. It was okay. Not a bad song, but Big 10-inch. It was alright. It was alright. Sweet Emotion. Huge track. All over the place. On movies. We all know it. That was the sixth track. The seventh track. No More, No More. Probably one of my least favorites. He's talking about being in a band. The trials and tribulations of hotels and beds and stuff like that. It was okay. Eh. Not, not my favorite. Probably towards the bottom two. Round and Round, the eighth track, probably my favorite. Just the hard riffs. They kind of like, dun 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 
sort of like that, but not with the screaming that you hear in metal. So it had that nice, even flow of like a rock sound with hard riffs and rough and tumble drum sections. So it was pretty cool. That was my favorite track on the album. Ninth was You See Me Crying, like I said, eh, not one of my favorite songs. And the way the rest of this album flew, it was fast, it was upbeat, telling stories, and yeah, it was telling a story, but just not my cup of tea. So I only didn't like two songs, but I probably still listen to them again. I've heard You See Me Crying more than one time in the past. So still listenable, even though I didn't like those two songs. All in all, I was happy I did that. Went back in time, grabbed an album that didn't really know much about except a couple tracks that made it huge and put this band in rock god standings. And they're pretty much one of the biggest rock bands ever and I never put them in that light. I was just like, yeah, Aerosmith's been around for a while and they're cool, but I didn't understand the magnitude of what they've been able to do. So it was cool to go back to their best album of their long tenured music career and check out the beginnings of it. When I was negative 10, not even on this planet yet. It was a pretty cool deep dive. And we will keep the deep dives going. Check out Aerosmith, Toys in the Attic if you have not before. Or if you have and just want to relive some awesome music. Jump into it. The next deep dive, which will be this week, has to be Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen passed away, rest in peace. And I really don't know much about the band. I only know a few songs, of course, Jump came out in the mid 80s and it's still on the classic rock stations quite often if you listen to those. So I put up some polls on Twitter, on Facebook, had the list of albums on there and the winner winner chicken dinner is Diver Down. So I'm gonna hop into Diver Down this week and after I check it out, find out some things about Van Halen, we'll get back to it. We'll deep dive. That's it for this intro. Have to get to Caleb Savage Jr. from Hall and Ethan Hanneman Jr. from Mendota. Talk some golf, some football, some wrestling, some everything. That's what we like to do at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Keep listening. Appreciate the love and support. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and Google Music. Until next time, peace. It is a Thursday morning. I'm not really a morning guy. I try to wake up as much as I can. But what's better than waking up to an to a conversation with somebody you're really impressed with and you know is killing it on the sports stage, whatever sports stage it is? I am talking about Hall Jr. Caleb Savage. How's it going, my man? Hey, what's up? Nothing much. Are you a morning person? Um, I am. Yeah, I like getting up early, getting some stuff done. I give you props. I am not. <laughs> when I was in college, I would make sure I never had a class before 10 a.m. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going to be the guy that wants everything done by 10 a.m. Yeah, probably. I could see it. I could see it. Well, the intro I was talking about, you are a junior. Your first few years at Hall played football, wrestling, track. That was kind of your schedule. Now with IHSA moving things around because of the COVID-19 era that we are in, you picked up golf this year. Just talk about that transition and why picking up golf. Well, well, as soon as the word came out, of course, um, they waited to the last second to actually release all that. And they said football's not gonna happen. And I was like, I got nothing else to do. Might as well try and 
pick up golf or cross country or something. I decided to do golf. I've worked at Spring Creek for the past three or four years. I'm good friends with the, the owners out there, so but I might as well start playing golf. Definitely. And as we're talking about, you know, being morning people or not, there's a bird trying to fly into my window. <laughs> so this bird is definitely a morning bird. <laughs> Yeah, you decide to pick up the golf club, and it served you right. I mean, on Tuesday in the Class 1A St. B Regional at Spring Creek Golf Course, you were the top finisher not on a qualifying team, and you made it to sectional this coming Wednesday, which is also at Spring Creek St. B 1A sectional. So congrats, man. You picked it up well, I guess. Uh, yeah, um... Everyone that I've been practicing with, my girlfriend's dad, a couple of, they're like, yeah, he's just a natural golfer. I just pick it up and roll with it, see how it goes. How often have you golfed in the past? Was it something you did regularly, occasionally, or was this the first time you ever picked up a club? Well, I never really, like, actually picked it up until August. I might have played, like, three or four times, like, just to have fun with my friends. Nothing really too special, you know? Gotcha. How long did it take for you to kind of like feel comfortable? Like people are saying you're a natural golfer. Did you ever feel like a natural golfer? Was this kind of something you were doing? Well, first couple weeks were pretty rough. I'm pretty sure my first match, I shot a 66, which is not good for nine holes at all. (laughs) And then I came back like a couple weeks later and shot a 45. So, I mean, it really takes a lot of practice. Got a really good coach, Mason Kimberly. He's works really well with the entire team. Just a lot of practice, and golf is a tricky sport. You could go out and shoot like a 39 on through nine holes, and come out and shoot a 50, and be like, "What? What did I just do?" You know, like it's just this sport called golf. It's tricky, messes with your mind, and I, I love it. A lot of fun. Two things I want to take from that. First of all, what were the differences between your 66 and your 45 in just a few weeks' time? What were the key components of that change of score? What were you working on? My swing in general. I didn't really have, like, an actual swing going into the season because there was a big storm before the first golf practice that had happened. Big, big storm, so... Was that the wind storm, the derecho? Yeah, yeah. And, um... They had asked me to come out and help clean up the course. And Mason, uh, Kimberly, my coach, was there. We were in the same group that were picking up different fairways and stuff like that with fallen trees. And I was like, hey, I might might do golf. Like, okay, give me your number and text me the next day what what shirt size I, what I was uh, wearing. And I guess, okay, I guess I'm on the golf team. Uh, <laughs> within those couple of weeks, I, I had no form at all in my golf swing after those couple of weeks, just minor adjustments throughout the entire season. Mentally, too, I had to work on that because obviously football, you get frustrated. You can take it out on someone. <laughs> and uh, golf, you can't do that. It's not play. It's not the game. You have to learn to live with it and go on, focus on the next shot. Isn't that crazy? In football, they want you to tackle people, hit people. But then in golf, they, especially now, COVID-19 era, you got to stay away as far as possible from all the golfers. Yep, yep. 
first like three weeks we had to wear masks um, while playing. There was some problems with that because the beginning of the season, it was pretty hot still in August and it was actually kind of hard to breathe. The IHSA actually came out and said that you don't have to wear them after a couple of weeks of that, like spectators do, but the, the players didn't. So that was pretty nice. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. You have mentioned Mason Kimberly. I call him a friend. He is also a friend of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. What makes him a good coach? I mean, I know he's a good golfer. He is in tournaments all the time. He's been, he was a college golfer. He put Princeton golf on the map or helped Princeton golf be on the map when he was in high school. Sometimes when you're a great athlete or really good at a sport, you know, it's hard to translate that to other players or other athletes. What is it about Mason that is, he is able to give you pointers and tips and you're able to run with it? All right, like you said, he's a, he's a really good golfer, probably the best in the area. He doesn't try and change your swing. He'll fine-tune minor adjustments. Like He'll say, like, oh, uh, uh, move your right hand, like, two degrees left, and then your, sh- your shot will go straight. And then, lo and behold, <laughs> my next shot will go straight because he told me to do that. And, like, he doesn't, like, try and completely change and disrupt your swing which in like the middle of the season that's gonna kill you because changing your swing is it's a big adjustment and usually throughout matches with a new swing i tried this midway through the season i tried changing my swing because it was hurting my back it worked out because my back's not hurting but that's besides the point he's really like he just knows the game so well and he knows like all the the little nooks and crannies of like open club face where you hit it like the wind like where to hit it when it's up in the wind but he's just really smart when it comes to golf and really helps with all all the hard stuff to do with golf so he made the transition of coming into a sport that you really didn't know at all he probably helped you out with that quite a bit oh easily he welcomed me right in he's like i don't care if you're a football player I need a number five. <laughs> so he uh, welcomed me to the team. Got to be good friends with everyone on the team, and here we are. Yeah. And you worked yourself up more than a number five, obviously, being the number one golfer in the regional that was not on a qualifying team. So you kind of put yourself in the position to be the number one, sort of, kind of. I feel like I kind of got lucky, to be honest. <laughs> Our number one, two, and three weren't playing too well Tuesday. They came out the best they could, obviously, but um, they weren't playing their best like they wanted to. So we actually had a chance making it as a team if everyone played the way they were supposed to. I'm basically there just to make sure, like in case someone had a fallout, I was there to take a spot, basically. But I remember right before I teed off, I was thinking, I was like, wouldn't it be crazy if I made it for individual? And I was like... Thinking in my head, I was like, nah, it's crazy. Let's just try and help out the team. <laughs> and then got in after number 18 and started looking at the scoreboards on my phone. And I was like, holy, this actually, this might happen. Just had my hopes up. So you looked at a crystal ball before you started golfing on Tuesday? <laughs> uh, I guess you could say that. And like you were saying, golf's a tricky sport. It's a mental game. And... You, know, you said the number one, two, three didn't golf as well as they could or wanted to. Unfortunately, in golf, that happens all the time. All the time. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. 
So now that you got a taste of golf, you got a taste of success in golf, is this something that you're going to continue or was this kind of a one and done because of the way IHSA had scheduled out sports this season or this year? I'm probably going to do is um, I'm just going to see how things go go with the flow. If there is football next year, great. If there isn't, I'll do golf. Depends on how I feel and what I want to do in the long run. So, Now, if Hall gave you the opportunity to do both, would you try to golf and play football, or would that be too much for you? Um, if there, that was a possibility, I would definitely love to. I just probably go through with it for a couple weeks, and if it goes well, we'll continue. But that's just off the top of my head, so... Gotcha. Well, congrats, man. I mean, that's kind of crazy. Never, you haven't picked up a golf club or haven't played much a couple times here and there. And then August, you get handed a shirt or asked the shirt size, and you're like, yeah, I'm part of a team. And then, bam, you're in the sectional. So congratulations, man. Thank you. Thank you. Moving on, I mean, are you still going to do wrestling and then football and then track? Because you have the rare opportunity to do four sports in four different seasons. Yes, I am definitely going to be doing all four. I'm in love with all four of my sports now, so I'm definitely going to be doing all of them. Cool. In wrestling, what weight do you wrestle at? Well, last year I was 132 to like 138, but I grew a little bit, so <laughs> I'm probably going to be like 155, 160. When you say grew a little bit, are we talking muscle mass, height-wise? How did you grow? Probably a little bit of both. <laughs> okay. How tall are you now? Uh, like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, maybe. Okay. Okay. Hey, you still got some growing to do. You could get a little taller. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And then what events do you do in track? I'm a pole vaulter. I guess I got a little faster than last year, but I don't really consider myself myself fast. But I'm a pole vaulter. That's the only event that I actually like compete in. I always thought pole vaulting was really interesting because usually, like, if you're a runner, you're doing four or five different events. If you're a field guy, not four or five, it's only four. <laughs> That's your max. But if you're a field event person, you're doing the high jump, the long jump, you know, maybe a couple other things. Maybe then you go on a relay team, something like that. Pole yeah. vaulters are like, you know what? This is my event. This is all I'm doing. I'm going to be awesome. That's how I feel about pole vaulters. Well, last year we had a really quick relay team before COVID happened. We only had one meet before everything got canceled, but we had Marshall Walk and all those fast guys still, so I didn't really have a chance to get on the relay team. During non-invitational meets, I'd do pole vault and a couple of other events, like one, uh, 100, 200, maybe four by one. My coach would throw me in those too. That's about it. <laughs> so were you a freshman when Hall won the two relay state championships? Yes. And that was with Marshall Walk, Anthony Buchanan, Devin Soldati, and Stephen, I can't think Brust. of Brust, there we go. I was picturing him, I just couldn't remember his last name, Stephen Brust. Yeah, they're all good friends of mine. Kind of miss them, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, they are good guys. I uh, joked around with them a lot, had a lot of good stories with them. Actually, truth be told... I, uh, I've been in the weight room a lot for the last like couple years, and it was because of Anthony Buchanan. And I actually went to the YMCA with him, and Chance Resetich, not a football player or track guy, but played baseball and basketball for Hall. Yeah. And, yeah, I worked out with them for a whole, pretty much a whole summer, not last summer, maybe the summer before. But then uh, after 
after Anthony went to Eastern, Chance went to Blackhawk. They started like sending me workout routines, so still kind of work out with them a little bit here and there. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, good dudes. Good Stay dudes. in touch with them. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I'm old, so you know I gotta have you young guys try to you know lift me up a little bit here and there. <laughs> All right, kind of running out of time. You got to go to school. I got to go to work. The only sport that we have not talked about that much that you get into is football. You are all over the field, correct? <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite a bit. What are all your positions? I am a running back, um, safety, cornerback, and sometimes linebacker, outside linebacker or something. So that extra height and that little extra weight that you put on Definitely a positive for football. Yeah, it's uh, probably going to help out a little bit. I mean, I always considered myself a decent hitter. Well, that's all you need to do, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just need to want to hit people and hit people. I always liked football because, like, if you got some aggression, something's not going right at home, whatever, obviously you're not trying to hurt somebody, but yep. your coaches, the fans, your parents – Everybody wants you to hit somebody on the football field, which is yeah. different than outside of life. Exactly. It's a completely different environment. Running out into the field to our, our, um, our intro songs. I would get the chills watching the players when I was seven and eight years old. Watching the whole football team run out onto the field, I'd be getting the chills. And now it's me, and I'm getting the chills running out there. So it's just a great feeling. Nothing better than that. Definitely. And real quick, while we we're talking about football, coaching switch from Randy Teeman to Nick Greeny. How does that favor you? Do you like both guys or going to be able to work with Nick pretty well? Uh, yeah, I'm good friends with Nick. He's a good guy. I like both coaches. Um, I never had any problems with them. Go to practice every day, work my hardest, and they put me in. I, they put me in. I'm fine with that. <laughs> you know, just to be a part of the team is awesome. Good stuff. We just listed off the positions you play in football. Like I said, you're all all over the field. One position you didn't list, but you have told me that you enjoy watching, probably your favorite, is wide receiver. So let's play a game. I want a top five of the top receivers that you've seen play. Doesn't have to be in person, maybe just on TV, but let's not go with wide receivers of all time or anything like that. Just the ones that you have seen play. Okay, so probably a little young but I've seen these guys play um <laughs> no particular order here but um we'll say uh Terrell Owens it's a good one uh Randy Moss better one Steve Smith is up there he's pretty good DeAndre Hopkins he's gonna be a good one he's gonna be in in there for the long run and he's a he's an Arizona Cardinal now so <laughs> are you an Arizona fan yeah I am Oh, that's weird. So, uh, my last one here, I'm going to say Larry Fitzgerald. There it is. Wow, that's a unique five. couple of them surprised you did not put in there. Calvin Johnson. Well, he retired early. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But he was a monster. He was. Megatron. Yeah. Yeah, I had his, his cleats in youth football. Nice. Were they autographed? No, just the, just the shoes. I was going to say, if they're autographed, hopefully you did not wear those. <laughs> yeah, no. So that's your five. I like that five. Let's say that again. We got Steve Smith. Randy Moss. Terrell Owens. DeAndre Hopkins. And Larry Fitzgerald. 
I love Larry. I know you're an Arizona fan, but I feel like if he was on another team that consistently had good quarterback play, I mean, he had stints. I mean, he had Kurt Warner, had a couple other people that would come in and throw a couple good games. But if he had a Tom Brady or a Ben Roethlisberger or a Phillip Rivers or somebody that could consistently give him the ball, oh, man. (laughs) He'd be be topping Jerry Rice right now, for sure. It's quite possible because he took care of his body. He's been playing in the NFL. I don't even know how many. 17th season, I think, now. Yeah, that's crazy. He's actually has a record for most touchdown passes by the most white, uh, the most quarterback, which is like, I think it's like 15 or 16 now. Which drives me wild because if you're a quarterback and you're getting older, like when Carson Palmer went there, I was like, that makes a lot of sense. It's Arizona. It's not yep. cold. Yep. You know, he comes from Cincinnati. So I'm like, hey, it's better for his body. And then, you know, he starts to get hurt. He deteriorates. Yeah, he and then he's hurt gone. almost every year. So it's just like, man, why can't they get somebody that wants to stay in that weather, that climate, and yep. play awesome football? And they picked up Kyler Murray. So. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of him? Uh, he's a great guy. I mean, obviously, he won the Heisman, which... I think Larry Fitzgerald also holds that record for holding, uh, catching the most touchdown passes from Heisman quarterbacks, too. So, Who's the other Heisman QB? Kyler Murray and Carson Palmer. As soon as I ask that question, I'm like, duh, it's Carson. <laughs> well, Caleb, we talked a lot about everything, all your sports. I am really impressed with you as an athlete and as a person. This has been a great conversation, especially early in the morning. Jump started me right for a day of work, so... Congrats, man. Good luck at sectional on Wednesday, and thanks for joining the Junior C Podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks. It was a lot of fun. It's a beautiful day. Man, I can't believe time is flying by. It's already October 9th. It's a Friday. It's beautiful. And if there's any place that my guest could be on a beautiful day, I'm guessing it's the golf course. Am I right, Ethan? (laughs) Yes, sir. I'm talking to Ethan Hanneman from Mendota. He is a junior on the golf team, a mighty Trojan. Just wrapped up the, I guess, regular season. Postseason started on Tuesday. Just talk about the season, man, and you guys actually got on the golf course and got to play. Had to be a great feeling. Yeah, it was. I'm happy that we even had a season. Different, though. It was really different. The season was going great, too. We were doing really well, and we lost our our one slash two, Zeke. He got injured, broke his collarbone or something. So we lost him, but we kept going and had a pretty good year going. What's Zeke's last name again? Hassenberger. There we go, Zeke Hassenberger. I was like, it's an H, it's an H, and I couldn't remember. Yeah, other than that, it was a really good season. It was uh, just as fun as any other season, too. I didn't think we would even have one, so it's good to have one. Most definitely. You said it was different. Obviously, we're in the COVID-19 coronavirus era. Everything is different. But what are some of the main things that stick out to you as a golfer? Well, for the first few matches, we did have to wear masks in between shots. I didn't like that at all. After we got over that, it wasn't awful. It felt pretty normal, other than, obviously, bus rides. We had to wear masks and stuff. It was a little... Less fun because you couldn't stick around after. If you're the away team, you'd go right back to the bus after you finish. Or if you're the home team, you'd just leave right after. I like sticking around, but can't do that this year. So So the kind of extra, you know, getting to know people time or kind of enjoying the surroundings, that was kind of taken away. Yeah, that was. That is unfortunate, but like I said, at least you got to play. You got to get on a course, got to play the game that you love. So that had to be cool. Yeah, it was. 
Talk about some of the highs during the season. I mean, you said you guys had a good season. I've seen a lot of the scores. You guys were doing really, really well. What were some of the things that are going to stick out to you as awesome moments for your junior year? The good part about this year is I played really solid. Didn't have many, like, really hot, bad scores. I was really solid. And I had one really good score. I shot 36 at Spring Creek. That was really fun. Other than that, the Ryder Cup, I played with Jack Beats. I think we tied for second. So that was really fun, too. We shot 74. Yeah, we shot 74. That was just a really fun tournament also. And my team, my team's pretty fun too, so that makes it that much better, you know? Definitely. Who are some of the other guys on your team that you enjoy playing golf with? Well, there's nobody that I don't enjoy playing golf with on my team. That's what I like about it. Everyone's got a different personality, and it's just a different person. I don't know how to explain it. They're all fun to play with, though. Are you guys all friends off of the golf course? I'd say we're friends. We're not all, like, super close friends, but we, we do talk off the golf course. So more than a, hey, how are you, and keep walking, but not yeah. inviting everybody yeah. over for sleepovers. Exactly. Gotcha, gotcha. That's cool. I mean, it's good to be yeah. like that, too. Yeah. Like I said, regionals were on Tuesday a few days ago, sectionals next week. Yep. How did it go for Mendota at the Class 2A Sterling Regional? Well, they didn't do great. They didn't do awful. Uh, we had two uh, younger, I think freshman and a sophomore, shot pretty good for them. So that's good to see some younger kids playing pretty well. You know, on such short notice, we lost the three days before regionals when I had to get quarant uh, quarantined because someone had COVID. We lost actually three people on varsity that day because... One had COVID and two of us had to quarantine because we were near them. So we had to pull up some kids from JV and they played They played pretty well for just quick notice. And So the Trojans lost three top six golfers because of COVID right before the regional. Yep, right before it. And we had Zeke lost for the injury the whole year. So it was just a bumpy road for us, but it was still fun. So in all actuality, four out of the top six were not there for the regional. Correct. Wow. I give you guys all the uh, you know, props in the world for still going to war. Those little guys, the younger guys, got to be given props as well. Yeah. It was cool to see them come in and shoot their, about their best for 18. So that was cool to see. But at the same time, it had to be hard for you knowing that you want to play, you want to be at the regional, but you yeah. had to sit at home because somebody else was sick. And it, we're in that time. Things are happening like that every day. Yeah, I mean, and you can't even, I can't even blame it on the person because they didn't even know they had it. I don't know. It's not, it's not their fault. It's just unfortunate. It's bad luck. I mean, I really would have wished to have played that at regional. Even though there's no state this year, I was hoping to get to sectionals and play well there. And it's just unlucky. I mean, that's all I can say about that. You said a few times that Zeke is the number one. Are you Mendota's number two? Yeah. We're, like, interchangeable. We pretty much shoot about the same, so. In your first couple years with Mendota Golf, freshman and sophomore, did you advance out of regional in those two years? Freshman I didn't. Sophomore I did and played okay at sectionals. Not, not enough to go to state, but I played decent. So you were hungry to get back and do it again? Yes, I was. 
I know we don't like the word unfortunate or, you know, you said it was just bad luck, things like that, but how did you, you know, in your mind deal with it and be like, you know, there's nothing I can do, it's okay, you know, was that tough to kind of think about it that way? Yeah, I mean, it was hard because the whole season I was ramping up for regional sectionals, for the days before I was playing really, really well, just to have that happen just kind of, it kind of put me down, it was like... I'm going to try and just use it for next year, you know. I have to give that much more next year, try and do the best I can. Kind of going into that from seeing what you were able to do this year on the golf courses, obviously you want to do even better next year. You want to go as far as you can in the postseason since, again, that word unfortunate, didn't get to do it this year. What are some things you're going to work on and try to polish up? Pretty much I'm just going to play as much as I can. I'm going to try and get with some some of our teammates Try and get our whole team better, not just myself. And try and make a big push next year, see if we have enough. During this season, what was kind of working best for you? The long game, short game, irons? Um, what was what was working for Ethan? By far, my short game. I can't stress it enough. I Short game's the whole game. I don't know. It, it saved me so many times, especially with my best round at Spring Creek. That was all short game. I couldn't have done that without good chipping and putting. That saves rounds. Definitely, definitely. When you step on a course, is that kind of what you're telling yourself? Like, hey, my short game's got to be on? Or what are some of the goals that you set for yourself going into a meet? I try and just picture it being like a normal, just going out and playing because you don't want to put yourself under stress and stuff. So I picture it as just going out and playing. And I just play how I would normally play because... If you add any extra to it, you're just kind of overthinking it, and then stuff goes wrong, so. I understand that. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. I'm going to kind of put you on the spot with this one. If you could describe this season in one word, what would you say? Huh. One word. I don't know. I mean, probably, I don't know, maybe eventful, because there were a lot of, because there were so many different things happening. I'd almost call it, like, hectic, maybe if we could use that word. Okay, okay. I'll let you use two words. You can use both of them. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, it seems like it was ups and downs, peaks and valleys, and every day was a new day. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. It was that this year. Just happy we had a year, and happy I played well while while we were in golf, and made all-conference, and team was fun, and... Making the big Northern Conference team, where does that rank for you on your achievement list so far? It's pretty high. We can go higher, but it's up there. Awesome, awesome. Congrats, man. That's fantastic. Thanks. Well, now that golf is kind of over, got one event left, the sectionals, you know, trying to move on to other sports. Winter sports are up next. Don't know what's going to happen with COVID-19, so I guess we kind of, let's try to look at this like they're going to happen. You are a wrestler. Are you excited for the season if it happens? If it happens, I'm very excited because wrestling and golf, I do like golf more, but wrestling, it's a whole different mindset and everything, and I, I like the change. So you go from golf, which is one of the most social distancing sports there is, to wrestling, which is very aggressive, in somebody's face the entire time. So you kind of go on opposite spectrums when it comes to your sports. Yeah. So are you kind of like a quiet, aggressive guy? I don't know. I mean, 
I guess that's what you could say. What is it about wrestling that keeps you coming back to the mat? What is it that you like the most? The surroundings and the in the moment. It's, it's a different type of sport in the moment in that sport than golf. It really is. It's all for being in that moment and the teammates and I don't know. It's, it's another really fun sport. Definitely, for sure, for sure. We talked about your, you know, achievements on the golf course. Have you made it deep in the playoffs or anything like that in wrestling? Freshman year, I qualified for sectionals, and I lost in the match to go to state. And last year, I tore something in my arm, and that hurt that season. So, freshman year, I did well, though. I remember you that year. I was actually at that sectional in Byron, and, man, you were fighting hard. You were trying. Yeah, that, the kid I wrestled that day was very good. I think he was ranked like one of the top five in the state. Well, if that's the case, I do remember him being ranked. And I actually remember being like impressed. I was like, hey, this man's going to it with this dude that is ranked. And he was kind of bigger than you, too, a little bit. He was probably perfect wrestling shape. And I'll tell you what, he was not ready to not make it to state. So he was going full force there. And as a freshman, you were kind of like, hey, it's cool to be here. Yeah. I mean, it would have been all that much better if I could have, but we gave it our all, so. Definitely, definitely. What are some things you've been working on wrestling-wise to get ready for the season? The team's supposed to start working out and stuff, so I'm going to start doing that. And then pretty much once they give us the go to be able to be on mats, and if they do, then we'll be right there right when they say we can. Awesome. And what weight class do you plan on wrestling at this year? This year, I plan on wrestling at 120 pounds. So you're bulking up. Uh, no, I got a little bit to lose right now. <laughs> With the COVID-19, ate too many hamburgers? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's one way to put it. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, I know you're a golfer and a wrestler, but I know you like some other sports. Football, is that one of your favorites to watch outside of the ones that you play? Yeah, I do love watching football. What is it about the game of football that you enjoy? I enjoy rooting for a team and knowing all the players, and I don't know what it is about the sport. It's just, it's really fun to watch. So if you like football that much, how come you never decide to play it? It falls in the same season as golf, and although I love football, I love watching football. Playing it, I didn't like as much as golf. Golf was just like the sport. I've been playing golf for so long. I, I couldn't have just given it up for football since they're the same season. All right. How long have you been golfing then? I mean, I can pretty much say pretty much my whole life. I've probably been actually like golfing and trying to get better since I was probably like 10. Actually taking it not 100% serious, but actually trying to do good and stuff. Okay. Do your parents have old video clips of you putting or hitting a golf ball as a little kid? I'd have to think so. I don't 100% know, but I'd have to think so. don't know how old of stuff, but I know there's some stuff from at least four to five years back. Might have to contact them to get the, the footage out. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, since you like football, like watching football a lot, let's play a game. Are you ready? Yeah. Let's rank them. I'm going to give you five teams. We have talked before about your enjoyment of football. I did not ask you your favorite team. Don't tell me yet. I'm going to give you five teams, and then we'll rank them. We'll see if I can put your uh, favorite team in the mix here. Okay. 
you are from Illinois and live not too far from Chicago. So it's possibility, but I'm going to throw in Chicago Bears. Is that your favorite team? No. <laughs> all right, all right. So we got Chicago Bears, Green Bay Packers. We'll go New England Patriots. Go Pittsburgh Steelers. And we'll go Dallas Cowboys. Rank those five. One being your best or your favorite. Five being the one that you like the least. Okay, so number one, we're going to have to go with the Packers. That's my team. Okay. We'll go out of order. We're going to put five with the Bears because they're the rivals, you know. Of course. I can't be, I can't be putting them any high. Uh, four, we'll do uh, the Patriots. And then who do we have left? The Steelers and... The Cowboys. Okay, so I'll have to put the Steelers over the Cowboys. The Steelers will have to be two. The Cowboys will be three. So we're going to go Packers one. Yep. Steelers two. Yep. Cowboys three. Yeah. Patriots four and Bears five. Yep. That'll be it. Okay. Okay. Mine was completely upside down compared to yours, but I like it. I like it. <laughs> Good stuff. Who is your favorite player on the Packers? Um, it has to be Aaron Rodgers. He just delivers time and time again. Always been good. He's always there. I actually asked you that question seeing if you were going to say anybody else but him. I think if you're a Packers <laughs> fan, I mean, that's kind of, that's who it is. I mean, he's, he's just always been there. Devontae's probably my second favorite. He's just... He's a great wide receiver. He's He is pretty special. He can do anything. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Like I said, don't really necessarily agree with your football picks, but we don't have to. That's the great thing about being American and the great thing about being on Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Got to keep the listeners on the edge of their seats. Ethan, want to say thank you for joining us, talking about golf, talking about wrestling, doing a little bit of football. Thanks, man, and congrats on a great golf season, and hopefully you can get on the wrestling mats. Yep, thank you for having me.